0: And you're welcome to Out of the Ordinary. Today I'm outside Pat Kelly's clinic. It's called Healing Hands in Artean in Dublin. Now Pat is originally from Ardahan in Carlow. He's a dad, a granddad, and now he works as a bioenergy therapist. But for most of his working life, he was behind the counter, apron on, and was a butcher. He was known to all his customers as Pat the Butcher, but now he's known to them as Pat the Healer. He himself doesn't understand it, but occasionally, through his work as a bioenergy therapist, some of his clients have claimed to have been healed. So I'm just going to go into the clinic now. I'm going to meet Pat and we're going to find out about his journey from butcher to healer. We'll just ring the bell here. There oh, he is, it's very Brenda. cold out Are You pat, how Brenda. are you? Great to see you. How are I, things? I'm great. How are you? I'm freezing out there.
1: It's very cold today. Oh, the polar get here, air. The get in here, out of the Oh, cold. you've got the candles lit, yeah, so we're to. all set. Brenda, that's the waiting room there. Okay. And this is the healing room. If you want to go in and have a look. It's an actual healing room. What do you mean by a healing room, Pat? Well, this is where I do the therapies, Brenda. Uh, the plant there and I like it's it. It's like a bed. It's like, it's a... A, yeah, yeah. It's a bed where people lie down. Chairs there where we kind of sit down and I would talk to people for a while, like get their medication and problems and whatever else is going on. And like we have a chat and then depending on how long that takes and we get up then and do the healing session. It takes, takes about three quarters of an hour. I kind of I just play nice music or play a guided one. Whatever What's a person, guided one? A guided one would be where it gets the person to relax and it talks them through relaxation.
0: I've never been in a healing room before. And on the walls all around the room, there's lots of different lovely quotes. The past should be a key, not a lock. Don't smother each other as something can grow in the shade. Healing does not mean the damage never happened. It means it no longer controls you. Oh, I like that one. But I've never been in a healing room before. Is this where all the work happens? Do
1: you heal people here? Yeah, I keep this room just for healing, Brenda. Mm. And the reason I do that, it's small and I like it small because you need confidential. I worked in resource centres. There's noise, there's phones going and there's different people's energy going through them. Here, I'm the only one that uses this and the clients coming in. And people who walk into this room... Who are into this kind of work, the minute they walk in, they say, oh, my God, I can feel the healing energy already. And that's what I like. It's amazing how energy stays in a place. And if you walk into a place where there's aggression or fighting going on and you get that uncomfortable feeling and you walk into a place like this, oh, my God, I feel calm. It feels nice. It's the energy. It's that energy in the room that starts the healing before you do anything. Like, if I get people in here who are stressed out and never given time to themselves, never. The fact that they would lie down there and give themselves that time and allow the mind and the body to relax and let me work on them. That in itself is healing. And I would say to people, if you're stressed out and if you're in a job and you're on the road and you're stressed every day, even to pull in, close your eyes and just a few deep breaths for five minutes and say, relax, right, heal myself myself. Re- do it yourself. You could do that with Brenda now. You could do that yourself. <laughs> I could do with it.
0: Pat, <laughs> I'd like to experience what you do here in a little while. But first, can we sit down and have a chat and I find out all about your journey, as I said at the top, from butcher to healer.
1: No problem, Brenda. Sit down there.
0: I said you were from Ardahan in Carlo. Place that for me, whereabouts in Carlo's is that?
1: Uh, it's just about three miles outside Balon. Tullabun Cloddy Road.
0: What was it like growing up there?
1: Well, my dad was a postman, a local postman there. We lived in a cottage, there was eight of us. Fantastic childhood. We had very little. When I lived there, we didn't have water or electricity, but life was great. You felt that the community was your family as well. And I think of the, the people that lived around us and the bachelors, and like you looked up to those guys. You know what I mean, just as a small fella, you looked up to, to those fellas. Life was great now. I played football and there was a handball alley, we played handball. You said times were tough compared to obviously now your lovely offices here and you certainly have running water, but they were harder those days. Oh, absolutely. I had to go down to a local draw well with my mother when she finished working the evens with two buckets. Now, a draw well, people may not know what a draw well is. A draw well is 50 foot down, and there was a big stone slab over this, and you brought down two buckets, and you put a rope on the, the bucket and threw it down, lifted up your water and the two buckets, and put your slab back on the draw well. We had to walk about half a mile home then with the water. And the water would be dripping down your legs. And when you get home, you'd have cold feet and cold legs. And to be, you'd have two half buckets of water. We didn't know any different. Like, if we had running water, then it would have been such a godsend. Like. Mm. Or from my mother. My mother was a hard worker, a fantastic person. And I think, I, I honestly believe the love I got from my mother is where I am today, that I'm able to help other people uh, with healing and with everything. It was, the, it was the absolute love that I got from my mother. And I, I, I'm convinced of that.
0: And Pat, where did you come in the family? Are you the, the youngest, eldest. the middle? The, oh, you're the eldest.
1: eldest. No pressure then. No pressure at all. The eldest of eight. I remember like Bernadette and Michael were the, were the youngest in the family. Like I left home at 16 and I practically didn't know them growing up because I had left it was time to go, like and make a bit of room for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very lucky because I consider myself very lucky because I went in to serve my time in McCabe's in and Bridge Street and it was the butchers and Phil McCabe was an absolute gentleman. He had no kids of his own. I knew he was always dying to get me in there. Like, I mean, I, I was the kid he didn't have at that time. Like, I had my own room. And it was this was heaven. Did you go
0: and live with I did, yeah. this family? Yeah. Yeah. Well, did they kind I, I of adopt you nearly in no, a No, they didn't
1: adopt me because I, I was working there. But it was that kind of an open house. You know what I mean? It had a grocery and the butchers and some of the, the people lived there, there was rooms over it and you, you were part of the family, like. And if there was a job to be done at 10 o'clock at night, i oh, pack, we run, run out there and get a load of lambs. or I oh, you, you mean, it's just the same as for the family. You went out and did it.
0: And how did your mum feel about you leaving home at 16? Um, was it part of the natural progression?
1: No, no. Well, you see, it wasn't so bad when I moved in to, in, into town because it didn't seem like moving home. Like, my mother was okay with that. It was only when they moved to Dublin. That was a real shock, like, oh, my God, what are you doing, leaving your job there? You don't know what you're going to, and all the trouble up there, and, oh, my God, like, you could get, end up drinking and smoking. I knew her fears, like, but there wasn't an option, Brent. In the country at that time, there were two options, a barman or a butcher, and I chose a butcher. One of the guys that was working in McCabe's at the time, a lovely guy that had gone real rabbit, well, got a job in Dublin. And I said to him, now, don't forget your pal now. He said, any jobs going up there? And I didn't think he would. And he rang back and he just said about three weeks after, he said, look, there's a job going in town." He says, in the butchers in Arthain, he says, do you want to come? I came to Dublin. It was Doyle's that I got the, the job with there and they got the digs just across the road from me. And my wages were £3.10 a week and the digs were £3. So wow. I had 10 shillings left. Before
0: I even get into that, you said there's a choice between a barman and a butcher at that time.
1: Why butcher? Well, it was probably because I had started working part-time and I got on very well with the butcher. And and this is a trade. I'd save a few bob and send a few bob home to my mother and I felt good about that. Like The, the books would never have been a thing for me, Brenda. I went to the day school in Like You did two hours Latin a a day. I knew this was going nowhere. I had this urge always to work with my hands, no matter what it was. I had to be doing something physical. And I, and I remember from a very early age, you know what I was like in the country? My mother used to bat us in, in a steel bat in front of the, the Aga Coker. Fellas come in, like bachelors, and come in for, because they had nothing else to do. And my mother, I remember one night my mother batting me in this bat like in front of the Aga Coker. And a fella PJ Bourne was, was sitting there he would have been a local fella passing oh, go in there for a bit of heat or something for a few hours and I remember she kept me out with the bath and he looking and she was wiping me hands and he said there God look at that, that fella has woman's hands and I'll never forget it <laughs> you know what I mean and it must have been only really small at the mm. time like. You know, I always wanted to work with my hands
0: So Pat, working as a butcher did you enjoy the chat
1: over the counter? Yeah, I always enjoyed the chat over the counter, and it was lovely. It was such a change to come to Dublin, to chatting to people. I found working in the butchers, I couldn't understand why the other guys would, someone come in for three or four jobs, yeah, three or four jobs, oh, here are they, and they had no interest in talking to them or what have you. And I always said to the guys, look, if you talk to that woman, and it'll make your own job so much easier.
0: Pat, what was life like in the digs in Dublin, I know you were paying a lot of rent, and you weren't getting paid that much wages. Yeah. How was it?
1: The digs were grand, and it was a lovely family that I, I was very lucky that the digs were just across the road from the the work, and they were a lovely, lovely family that I was in the digs with, and being up from the country, like, and you were very cagey about mixing with the family and just staying to your room and the bedroom and whatever. I remember this particular night. I was lying in bed and I got this awful pain, or chest pain. I didn't understand that I started to sweat and the sweat was rolling off me. And I was there I was lying in the bed. I remember looking at the ceiling and saying to myself, this is it, I'm gone. And I didn't want to get out of the bed and go down and cause any fuss in the digs. I remember straightening out in the bed and said, oh, I'll try and close my eyes now and go to sleep. And like if, if I go, they'll find me here in the morning and it'll be like this. And I had absolutely no problem going, had no problem at all going. My big problem was how my mother would feel when she heard the news in the morning. And if I was in a position to be able to say, look, Mum, I was okay. I was absolutely no problem. And you're not to worry. I just faded away there. And I'm absolutely convinced now at this stage that we are going to somewhere better. And it has changed my total outlook on life and uh, on dying and where, where I'm at.
0: I'm just trying to get a handle on this, right? Sorry, Pat. So you were in the digs. You were new. You didn't want to cause a fuss. You got a really bad pain. Is it that you got some kind of insight as to what it was going to be like if you would die? Or what are you trying to say there? I'm just trying to get a handle on it.
1: No, I didn't get, a, I didn't get an insight. I hadn't gone that far. I was only concerned with that I was going to die. And it was an, an experience that has lived with me. Now I live every day. I enjoy every day. I have no problem dying.
0: I mean, the question really is, what happened to you the next day? I mean, you obviously didn't
1: die. It was actually pleurisy.
0: And Pat, am I correct? You met your lovely wife when you were staying at Diggs. Is that right?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, Brenda. Yeah, where I was uh, staying, uh, to put up the price of the digs. And I found digs that were the same money as I was paying. And my wife lived two doors up. Her name is Maureen and she's very private and, we're, and a great help and support and I wouldn't be doing this today only for her help and support. And We have four children.
0: So Pat, a very vibrant family life with a little grandson now and all. Do you remember meeting Maureen or are you uncomfortable talking about that or whatever?
1: Well that's very funny because there was a girl that lived a couple of hours down the road and she, I think she was very anxious to go out with me and eventually we did walk out together but it wasn't going to work out. Maureen was a friend of hers, and there was another friend, a mutual friend of the two of them. I asked the mutual friend, I said it's not going to work out with her, but I wouldn't mind going out with Maureen Doyle, and I said any chance you'd arrange that? So she arranged that, and that was, the, <laughs> that was it. That was
0: it. How long then did you work as a butcher? I know you worked in a couple of places around Dublin.
1: Well, I had my own place for about twenty, twenty-five years. That's here. That's downstairs. The Butcher and Change, Brenda, supermarkets opened and everything else. And I was I was at nothing. And it was really the bank manager that advised me that I should move on. I really had to take his advice because of the situation. I was lucky enough to get a job down. And it was down nolans in Vernon Avenue, which was just down the road from me. And I was there for seven years. And during that time, something stands out for me a day that I was working in New Orleans. My sister, Sadie, who was the next to me in the family, got cancer. She was in James's hospital. It became clear that she wasn't going to come out of it. And I was going in to see her every night. I remember one particular day in New Orleans and I got the lovely smell of roses. And I said to one "Oh my God, they must be bringing roses into the flower shop. And he just looked at me and said, there's no smell of rose. That was all right. Later on the day, I got it again. Began to cop on then. And I got it then about three o'clock or that again. Just, oh, this unbelievable smell arose. Four o'clock, the phone rang. And it was my younger sister. And she says, Pat, Sadie's passing away. And she's waiting for you. And so I just went in. Sadie passed away. Oh. And uh, I just... I just went in and it was what we were trying to do in bereavement. I just went in, talked to her and said, look Sadie, it's okay to go. held her hand. It's okay to go. I'm holding your hand. I'm holding your hand. And then I let her hand go. I said, I'm letting your hand go now and I'm just guiding you and you're going, you're going, you're going. She just faded away. I didn't understand at that time what the smell of roses were. And it was only later that I realised that people get this at the time of, of something like that. I would be big into angels and I would be big into all the, all of that kind of thinking really brought it home for me. I just feel that I've been very lucky along the way, Brenda. I've been very lucky and I attribute that to, to, to my mum and Sadie and to the people that have, have passed away. I'm being looked after up there. I noticed that in, in the healing that I went on to do as well. Like I'm having results that I just have to say, why is this happening to me? Like you just wonder to yourself, like you look back on your life and you think how lucky I've been, like how grateful. I am very grateful for everything.
0: There are people listening to this who go, oh, no, he's after mentioning angels. That explains it. He's a bit airy fairy, should we say. What do you say to people who are thinking like that right now?
1: Oh yeah, 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 I get that all the time. Like, oh, here's another weirdo who's into angels and kind of all this kind of thing. In my life, I find that there are things have happened to me. I feel there's a bigger picture out there than just living. I really believe in angels and I believe in that, like that they do help you and that they're out there. Now, I can't explain it. I can't explain. And I understand how people are sceptical and that they don't they don't believe in it or they don't. But I do. And I get comfort out of it. And I totally understand someone saying, look, you can't see them. You can't hear me. You're for the birds like Totally understand that. It's very hard to explain. There's something happening for you and you, you get a hunch or you get to go somewhere to do something and it comes into you and you say, why is this happening? And then you go and something happens. And I'd always say, thank you.
0: And you, you put your hand up there in your eyes. Yeah. So you're
1: saying thanks to the angels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, feel guided or you feel out of the blue. It could be mm-hmm. writing a letter. Mm. It could be writing a letter to someone This thing comes into your head And I just do that I, I, And I just feel that that's coming in for me Do you
0: see angels around?
1: No 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 I, no, I, don't, I don't I would never see them Or I, I would never the, the way I feel about it is you, you get this strange feeling Where you feel a presence around you As if someone is supporting you And to me it would happen In situations where I'd be under pressure and then all of a sudden you feel this calm or you feel, look, everything's going to be okay. You're all right. You're going to come through this. That that I'd say, like, they're around me now. They're helping me. They're supporting me. Pat, you were working in Nolan's Butchers. You always felt you
0: were good with your hands, mm. but I'd never really done anything too much about it. When did the whole healing hands thing come about or how did it come about?
1: But Brendan, I've been doing different courses, like kind of talking to people in the butchers and you're doing psychology courses, bereavement courses, all this. I always wanted to do something more physical, something more for to help people. And I heard about this bioenergy healing course and that you were doing something physical as well as talking. And that I looked it up and I decided that I was going to do that.
0: Can you explain bioenergy healing, kind of nice and succinctly, for us, Pat?
1: Yeah, bioenergy is, is is a healing therapy. Working with your hands, it's non-invasive, and you're working your hands over the person's body, and it kind of, and it works with. If you have a blockage in a particular area of your body, and you work your hands over that for to get the blockage out, it's energy healing. It's working with the energy in your body. The hands are, are said to have the energy that moves the energy in your body and as you move your hands down over the body you're moving out blockages it doesn't work for everyone the fact that you would have good results with people and they would be sending their friends and all that and I'd always say to them on the phone just because I had a good result with your friend doesn't mean I'm going to have it with you it does not work for everyone
0: actually that's really important I want to say this now before we continue with the conversation about healing and that if people are out there and they don't Feel well, or they have an, a diagnosis of anything, you are not saying, I can heal, and you'd never say that.
1: Brenda, the first thing I do when people uh, call on, on the phone, the first question I ask them, Have you been to your doctor? And what has your doctor said to you? you? You take it from there, and I would then tell them, Well, look, this doesn't work for everyone. And if I get someone saying to me, Oh, my friend was with you and they feel great, just because your friend had a good result doesn't mean you're going to have it. Go to your doctor. Do what he says, take the medication. And if it's a psychologist, psychiatrist, I will always tell you, do what your doctor tells you. If I can help, that's grand.
0: Pat, that's very, very clear. And you did your bioenergy healing. Let's go to another level, because in doing that, some people have claimed that you have healed them. Can you remember your first one or what actually happened?
1: Brenda, I remember a lady coming to me in the early days who had chronic back pain. And she had suffered back pain uh, for years and years. When she came to me, the back was straight. I had a couple of sessions with her. And I couldn't believe it when she rang me and told me that that she felt there was a great relief. Over a period of time, she has come to me and the back pain has gone completely. It's great to get the result, Brenda, but I, I would never feel it or I would never know when it's happening. And it's only when people would ring me and say, oh, my God, the pain is gone. I don't feel anything when I'm working. And a lot of people would say that to feel when they're working on people like doing this kind of work, to feel this, to feel that. I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. And I depend on the people who I'm working on. They have felt and they have got results. And that's why it's happened for me all along. And do you feel you're a healer then? I would never say that, like, because Mm. I I can't say that, Brenda, because if someone comes to me, I can't give them any guarantees whatsoever. All I'd say to them, look, just come to me and see what happens. Like, the the fact that I've had good results with other people. Like, what kind of results? People have pain from, say, car crashes, from other difficult physical ailments. I'd never use the word cure or anything like that. I'd say that they feel relief and they feel better after they've come. But I'd never put it any more than that. And I'd let the people explain that themselves, how they have felt.
0: I suppose what I'm really trying to get at is what is unique about you? Like, is somebody guiding you? Is it angels? What is it that is giving you these results?
1: Well, I suppose, if you like, it's bioenergy. It's working with angels. It's calling on help wherever you can get it. And when you get the results, it's very hard to attribute the results to, to any one particular thing. But it's, it's absolutely fantastic for to get the results and I'd love to be able to find out and, and I am trying to find out what it is that's happening.
0: Do you believe you have a healing gift?
1: It's very hard for me now to say that I have a healing gift. I think a gift is everyone that comes to you and you do a bit of work on them and heal them and they go out healed and you have the results every time. That to me is a healing gift. And There's a queue outside, everyone comes in and, and they're going out healed. That's a gift. I don't have that. You know what I mean? Because I don't get results with everyone. I have a good results with some people and maybe a good few people, but I can't guarantee anyone I'm going to have a result with them. I, I couldn't label myself as having a gift.
0: We're in your, your healing room and I suppose it would be remiss of me not to give it a go. I'll tell you my ailment or my ailments but I'll stick with one for the moment. I went over my ankle about two months ago, but it's still at me and I feel it's worse than I'm letting on. And as a result, the other leg is compensating because I'm not walking properly. Yeah, it's driving me mad. Yeah, I have been to a physio. I need to go back and I will. But that's my thing at the moment.
1: What do I do? Talk me through it. You're just going to lie down there on the plimper and you're in the right place now. Okay. yeah. And we'll play a little bit of music for you i just walk my hands over you. As you breathe out, walk with me and just see if you feel anything as we're getting that pain out of the area. Where, where, have, I, where have I to work on?
0: Well, I would say my yeah. right... Yeah. Outer upper thigh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then my left ankle, yeah, just and behind the ankle as well. Now you lie
1: down there, totally relax. I don't know if I can, I, not
0: with a microphone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, I'll do the best you can. Okay. Totally relax, and I'll work on you and and see where. It, now some people feel hot, cold, or tingling after a few minutes when I start to work on them. Mm. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if it does, you'll understand. Okay. That's what. It, that's the pain moving. Right well, right, we'll have a go and see how we go. Okay,
0: all right. Well, I'm just going to get on the plinth here. I'll take off my shoes and socks. Yeah. You hold the mic there, Pat. Yeah. Pat, I'm lying on the plinth here. How long is this going to take?
1: About a quarters of an hour. Right. So just relax mm-hmm. and let everything go. Clear the mind, breathe, totally close the eyes, relax. As you breathe out, work with me on the areas that I'm working on. Bring your energy, bring your thoughts down and visualise that pain as I'm working. If you feel hot, cold or tingling, that's great. Because that's the energy. That's the pain going out. i render to totally relax and I'm going to start on you. I'm going to work my hands over your body, over these areas where you have the pain. And at the moment now, just moving my hands just down the areas where they're giving you pain. Just totally relax now. I can move it much better when you're totally relaxed that so you're not holding on to it.
0: Not holding on to the microphone. Do you normally call angels to help?
1: Yeah, I, w- yeah but I would call an angel, but the minute I start I call an angel for, for, to help me. Kind of, and I, that helps. Again. If people are not into angels, like, they wouldn't understand, but the angels know I'm calling them to help.
0: Do you verbally call them no. or do
1: you know? No, 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 no. The know to come in here, the minute I start, I call for help. Any help I can get Brenda to move that pain wherever it's from. Are you healing me, do you think? I wouldn't know but like do you feel anything not feel yet nothing? No. no 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 that's alright and, and even people could come for one session and feel nothing and if they decided to come back they could feel something after a while like it's usually the second time the first time they would be sceptical and oh my god what's this all about conscious of me and the room being strange I be strange and the second time they come back they're much more relaxed and it's when you're relaxed that you can let the pain go I'm just moving my hands over your eyes now, just to get you to totally relax. And when I do that, lots of people would open their eyes and say, are you shining a torch in my eyes? Well, I think, Pat, to be totally
0: fair to you, I'll switch off the mic and I will try to totally relax. And then towards the end of the session, we'll come back to it.
1: That's grand, Brenda. Let all the stress and anxiety go now as you lie there. And kind of at the end, we'll come back. that's the end just going to tap you on the head now and just in your own time just just lie there and relax in your own time just get up okay Brenda
0: okay that was very relaxing and lovely blankets and all around me now I don't know if I'll be joining Riverdance with my ankle we won't know yet I kind of feel little things does that make any sense yeah a little bit cold yeah
1: Yeah. Mm. Hot, cold, or tingling would be the sensations that different people feel.
0: What I felt, particularly with my core, on one side, like it was being dragged down like a weight. That's great. What's that? Is is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Why? Yeah.
1: Yeah. See, what I'm trying to do, Brenda, is with the energy in my hands, I'm trying to get the pain out and down through your feet. If you felt the drag, that's it coming down. That's great now. For the first time, if you felt that, it's great.
0: Time will tell, Pat. And as I was lying there, I was thinking about your children. What do they make of you doing this work?
1: Oh, for the birds. Oh, no, no. Yes, they see me as a butcher, like, and they'll always see me as a butcher. I understand that. You I mean, that's what they were brought up. But it's only people who meet you for the first time and see you as the one helping them. that will see, they will appreciate their side of you mm-hmm. but your family will only see it like oh my god they would they would fairly take me down fairly quick
0: you've been doing this now a couple of years you were the butcher yeah. you're now the healer yeah. which one are you most comfortable with
1: oh brenda this is my life this is absolutely i just love what i do now i don't look to the future i'm so happy in the present moment and the way things are working out for me i just want to enjoy this and i'm so lucky Brenda, at 71 years of age, I have me health and I'm doing exactly what I love. You meet new people, different people every day. And it's about the satisfaction of knowing that you help that some person going out the door. And it's waking up in the mornings and you feel good about your day. And I will die happy. I love what I'm doing.
0: Pat, before I go, again, I'll just re-emphasise the fact this works for some and for others it hasn't worked at all. So, as they say, don't expect miracles, but you never know. Thank you so much. You've been a fascinating guest and Out of
1: the Ordinary. It was a pleasure. Thanks. And I hope that ankle gets well. (laughs) And if it does, I'll take the credit. And if it doesn't, well, well and good. Lovely to meet you. And thanks a million, Brendan. Thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Out of the Ordinary with Brenda Donohue on RTE Radio 1 Extra.